On January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court passed the case that we know as Roe versus Wade. Uh, in 1984, 11 years later, when Ronald Reagan was the president, uh, he proclaimed January 22nd National Sanctity of Human Life Day. And so this week, this January 2nd, uh, this is the 49th anniversary of the passing of Roe versus Wade. Uh, Roe versus Wade has resulted in 63 million legal abortions in the United States uh, alone, uh, which is almost equal to the current population of Texas and California combined. Imagine that, the entire population of Texas and California. Or to say it another way, uh, the 25 states in the United States, the 25 least populated uh, states in the United States, if you added up all the population of those 25 states, the number is about 65 million people. So abortion has wiped out the population of 25 states of the 50 states in the United States since 1973. So just take a second to let that thing sink in. The entire population of California and New York or the entire population of the least 25 populated states. In 2021, for the third year in a row, abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide. Heart disease is second, and it's not even close. Uh, in 2021, uh, 58.7 million children, babies, died of abortion. Uh, and so uh, 58.7 million is 42% is of all the deaths worldwide. Uh, nearly half the deaths uh, that occur worldwide uh, were the result of abortion. And so we've been hearing tons about abortion, and we've been hearing tons uh, about what it will mean uh, in the most recent months since the uh, case of Roe versus Wade was overturned. Uh, and that's been a very fervent uh, uh, and uh, passionate discussion in the media and among people uh, and among politicians. And what I want us to know uh, as we think about this issue today, the sanctity of human life, uh, is that the life inside of the child, uh, the, the, the life inside of the womb of the mother uh, should not be a political issue, right? Life is a biblical issue. Life is a moral issue. Uh, life is something that God cares about, and protecting life is not political, it's Christian to protect human life. So today, we're going to be talking about why uh, the sanctity of life is a biblical issue. Uh, and we'll start off by briefly talking about the history of abortion uh, in the United States and the effect of this case called Dobbs versus Jackson, uh, which resulted in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And then we'll talk about what God says about the sanctity of human life, uh, God's value of human life. And then we'll, we'll spend a couple minutes talking about the current debate over abortion. And then we'll finish by discussing some practical things uh, that you and I can do uh, to uh, support the protection and the sanctity of human life. All right, so that's the roadmap. That's where we're going today. Now, before we begin, uh, I am aware that statistically speaking, uh, anyway, there, there is probably somebody in this room, uh, statistically speaking, who has either had an abortion who has a loved one who had an abortion, who helped someone have an abortion. Uh, and so if that's the case, I am not preaching this message as a message of condemnation or shame against you if you should happen to fall into that category. I want you to know that there is always, always, always grace in Jesus Christ. 
for those of us who have not had an abortion or who have not helped somebody have an abortion or who have not pressured somebody to have an abortion. There is no place for us to look on others with judgment or condemnation. And there's no place for pride because we haven't engaged in that particular sin. Because we all have enough sins of our own, right, that, that, that we uh, are condemned for. We've all committed many sins. And, and who are we uh, to judge another? My sins make me just as guilty as your sins make you before God. And we all need to ask for forgiveness at the foot of the cross. So God has forgiven your sin, whatever it is, if you have believed and repented and believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead, just as he has forgiven mine. So the purpose of this message is not to condemn, but to raise awareness, especially now in the wake of Roe versus Wade having been overturned. So I'm aware that that abortion may be extremely and especially personal to some of you. I'm also aware that, like it or not, uh, abortion is a politically charged issue. Uh, there are many people who are one-issue voters. Uh, they support candidates who either uh, will not uh, allow for abortion, won't promote abortion members uh, or measures, or they support people who do. Uh, that's a very, uh, very uh, emotional issue, uh, and each side is very passionately invested uh, in their position. So you'll remember that when uh, the Roe versus Wade decision was leaked uh, last year, I guess around March or so, a few months before the decision was actually formally released, uh, that decision was leaked by somebody. Uh, they still haven't figured out who leaked it, but it was leaked. And what we saw was that picketers uh, from both sides, uh, they camped out in front of the Supreme Court, right? There were barricades in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, you had pro-lifers on one side, pro-choicers on the other side, yelling at each other, hurling insults at each other, and, and, and cops in battle gear had to come in uh, more than once uh, to break up the fighting. Uh, abortion advocates stood outside of Judge Kavanaugh's home, right, uh, raising threatening signs against J Judge Kavanaugh because he's uh, been chosen as, as the one that they, they find the most evil, I think. Uh, and, and some politicians, they condoned the picketing. Uh, and other politicians, they condemned the picketing. And, and each side hurled insults at the other. So again, as Bible-believing Christians, uh, we need to understand that, that abortion is not a political issue. It's a moral issue. It's a biblical issue. And we, we need to know what God says about the sanctity of human life. All human life is sacred. Now, when I say all human life is sacred, today we're going to be talking about the life of the, of the fetus in the womb. But all human life is sacred. We should be just as passionate about euthanasia, child trafficking, child prostitution. Wherever life is at danger and in risk, uh, we should care about those things. But since Sanctity of Life Day was established in response to Roe versus Wade, uh, the case that allowed abortion, we're going to be talking about uh, the life, protecting the life in the womb. So uh, I just want us to begin with a little bit of background in case uh, you all don't know the history of abortion in America. And we're just going to fly over this uh, because in the most publicized case, uh, Supreme Court case in 2022, Indeed, probably the most publicized case in the Supreme Court in the last 50 years, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson uh, overturned the, the landmark case of Roe versus Wade. Now, Roe versus Wade was the case that in 1973 uh, gave women a constitutionally protected right to abortion. 
the Supreme Court held that the 14th Amendment, which guarantees the right of privacy to individuals, uh, that that right now includes the right for a woman to have an abortion. And so essentially, that case legalized abortion uh, nationwide and elevated the right to have an abortion uh, and gave it equal status to other individual rights that, that we have, like uh, the right to be free of religious discrimination, uh, racial discrimination, gender discrimination. Uh, abortion was now uh, with equal status with those rights, and it was a constitutional right now. And so uh, after Roe, once Roe was decided, uh, States could no longer prohibit abortion, although they could regulate it depending on what stage of the pregnancy uh, the woman was at. But Roe also contained a provision in it that said that a woman could get an abortion whenever the, the health of the mother uh, was at stake. And so that needed to be defined. So a later 1973 case called Doe versus Bolton defined a health of the mother. And it included the physical, emotional, psychological, familial health, and the woman's age. All these factors are factors that can be considered and taken into account uh, when deciding if the woman's health is at stake. And so, uh, essentially, that case allowed abortion on demand. For whatever reason, anything that you could say uh, that would qualify as pertaining to the psychological, familial, emotional, uh, physical health of a woman, that would be enough to get an abortion. Well... That's why the Supreme Court's decision last June was such a big deal, because Dobbs versus Jackson, uh, Jackson's Women's Health, Women's Health Organization, it overturned Roe versus Wade, Doe versus Bolton, and all the subsequent uh, Supreme Court cases that affirmed the constitutional right to an abortion. Uh, they were all gone now. And you may remember uh, in the hysteria leading up to that decision, uh, abortion advocates uh, were implying all over the television that, that overturning Roe versus Wade would make abortion illegal ar around the country, nationwide. And I think a lot of people believed that. Uh, I think a lot of people still do believe that. And my fear is that too many people, and in fact too many Christians, uh, still think uh, that abortion is now illegal and that the fight is over. Well, let's be clear. Uh, the fight is not over. Uh, far from it. Dobbs did not make abortion illegal. Dobbs only said that abortion is not a federal issue. Uh, it's not a constitutionally protected right. Uh, but each state has the freedom to decide what the, their laws about abortion will be. So all they did was say, you don't have a constitutional right to an abortion, but the states can make laws regulating abortion uh, depending on what their particular beliefs are. So Predictably, uh, conservative states like Texas uh, established laws, uh, pretty much an abortion ban, uh, laws restricting abortion uh, that make abortions illegal unless the mother's life uh, is in danger. Uh, I, read that, uh, I read this week that in August 2022, which is two months after the passing of the Dobbs case, uh, only three abortions were performed in Texas, only three. Uh, and in June of that same year, just two months earlier, there were 2,596 abortions in Texas. So that is a reduction of over 99% of abortions in this state. Uh, and that is fantastic. But uh, believe it or not, uh, Texas is not the only state uh, in the United States. There are 49 other states in the United States. That's news to some of you, I know. Uh, Abortion-friendly states like California and New York made laws allowing abortion up to 24 weeks. 
and even more abortion-friendly states like Nevada and Vermont made laws allowing abortion all the way up to 40 weeks, the full period of gestation uh, when a baby had come to term. Uh, abortion is still legal uh, in those states. So Dobbs did not make abortion illegal. In fact, abortion is still available in about half of the country with various levels of restrictions. So the states that allow abortion really weren't affected very much by Dobbs at all because they just enacted their own laws that gave women the right to an abortion. Uh, and so uh, those states were not very much affected. For women who live in, say, Texas or Mississippi or other uh, conservative states, uh, it is definitely inconvenient and it is expensive to get an abortion now, but it's not illegal and it's not impossible. A woman can still travel to a state that allows abortion uh, if she wants to do that. Now, that does create an economic burden uh, for some women, and, and, uh, and that is most certainly true. In Texas, uh, the economic burden doesn't nearly uh, uh, amount to the same as the right of the life of the child uh, to live. But in response to Dobbs, many companies have now uh, added to their benefits package uh, a, a benefit that will pay for a woman to travel out of state to get an abortion. So for example, Amazon and many other companies will reimburse a woman up to $4,000 uh, if they need to travel from a state that does not allow abortion to a state that does and will cover their expenses, their travel costs for abortion. So, uh, Dobbs did something, but, but it has not uh, solved the problem. Uh, what have been the results of Dobbs? Uh, you know, what, what does the data show? Well, I, I've told you a little bit about what it's done in Texas. It's done wonderful things in Texas. Uh, but the data is still kind of limited because Dobbs is only a few months old, uh, not even a year old yet. But I saw uh, in an October 31st, 2022 article uh, in a publication called The Hill, it said that abortion in America dropped 6% in the two months following Dobbs, which is phenomenal. 6% means that there were nearly 11,000 fewer abortions, which is amazing news, 11,000 lives saved. But all that means is that there were still 79,620 abortions in America in August of 2022. That's a lot of abortions. So uh, Dobbs uh, is a great start, but the battle is far from won. The fight for life in America rages on. All right, so that's some of the background. That is where we got, uh, how we got to today. Uh, I hope I've convinced you that abortion is not eradicated uh, and that it's still a huge problem in America. So let's talk about what God says about human life. God's stance on the value of life. God created humanity in his image. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You know, after God created the universe, uh, he said, It is good. And then after he created humanity, he said, it is very good, all right? It is very good. Humanity is God's crowning achievement. Uh, many of you have seen the incredible pictures that this James Webb telescope is sending back to us. Have you seen these pictures? Uh, just incredible detail, uh, looking at galaxies, uh, billions of light years away from us and able to show us uh, minute detail on, on our solar system, the planets and the moons that exist on our uh, solar system. 
and yet still, uh, in, in all of the universe's splendor, in God's, uh, all of God's unfathomable and, and amazing creation, we are the only creatures made in God's image. Every human being is made in God's image and therefore has inherent dignity and worth. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. Uh, David writing, For you have created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God is the author of life. Yes, he uses men and women uh, to be involved in the process of creating life, but God is the one who creates life, who who knit together David's inner parts uh, while he was still in the womb. God saw David as fully created uh, even when his body was still unformed. And so the same is true for you, the same is true for me, the same is true for every uh, fetus in the womb. So God, uh, God created humanity in his image, and God values the life he created. Psalm 8, uh, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and have crowned them with glory and honor. Or Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God has a specific plan and a purpose for every creature, every human being that he has created, uh, even before they are born. And what more can we say about how God values human life than to look at John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God values human life so much that he gave us Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And this is the ultimate demonstration of God's love and how he values humanity. So God values the life he created. God also protects human life. Psalm 91, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Isaiah 41, uh, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Matthew chapter 6, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And John 10, 27 and 28, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So God values human life. He protects us. He shelters us from harm. He gives us the strength and help we need in times of trouble. He's the provider. He is the sustainer of our lives. And God is the giver of eternal life. uh, And that through faith in him, we can have eternal security and the protection of our souls. And God also tells us that only God has the right to take human life. The Bible is clear Uh, that murder is prohibited, right? Exodus 20, verse 13, uh, the sixth commandment says, you shall not murder. Now, obviously, uh, this commandment is a clear prohibition against the taking of human life, uh, and it's a reminder that human life is sacred and must be protected. And God repeated that command in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 17, uh, which also just emphasizes and reiterates, reiterates its importance and gravity. 
So only God has the right to take human life. Uh, human beings do not. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, see now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death, I bring to life, I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. First Samuel 2, 6, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. And God has established the punishment for taking human life in Genesis 9:6. Whoever sheds blood or sheds human blood by man, his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made humankind. So life is God's gift to us. It's God's, God's life is his to give, and it's his to take, and we should not pres- presume to take that power for ourselves. Uh, so the biblical data is clear and, and obvious. And most likely, none of this is new information to any of you today, right? You know how God values life. Uh, and, but, but what may be new to you, perhaps, is the shift in the debate that has been ongoing in the most recent years. Uh, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the current debate over abortion. The Bible is clear that life begins at conception, right? We know that. We've already read Psalm 139. We've read Jeremiah 1. Let's just add Luke chapter 1, verse 41. While Elizabeth uh, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby was a baby from the earliest time. You know, when, when Roe versus Wade became law, the technology that we have today to see inside the womb uh, did not exist. Uh, the pro-choice side about abortion uh, has typically and traditionally argued that this, this thing, whatever it is in the womb, is not a baby. It's just a clump of cells uh, with potential for life uh, at some point. Uh, they say that life begins at birth, or sometimes they'll say life begins at viability, which means the time when the baby could uh, live outside the womb. Uh, and so uh, now... Uh, that's not the argument anymore as much because now science has confirmed that life begins at conception. Uh, And the fetus is not just a clump of cells. Uh, We can see from the earliest stages that this is uh, just a human being in development. Now we have sonograms which allow us to see uh, through the mother's belly and into the womb. And we have an instrument called a hysteroscope, which is a camera that actually can go into the uterus and uh, look at uh, the, the baby that's inside the womb. So these advances, these scientific advances, have left no reasonable doubt anyway uh, that this child uh, is uh, a human being at an early stage of development. The only thing that birth changes is the location uh, of the development of that baby. And now because of scientific advances uh, in seeing the baby uh, in the womb, and now doctors can even operate, they can perform surgery on a baby inside the womb uh, to correct whatever defects may exist. Uh, now the pro cho- pro-choices are shifting their argument to uh, from it's, it's not a baby, it's a clump of cells. They're kind of abandoning that argument. Uh, and they're going to uh, abortion is a woman's health, reprodu- uh, reproductive health issue. That's the argument today. So even if they concede on the one hand that the baby is a human being, well, that baby still does not have the same life as the mother or same, same value of life as the mother. And it's her choice, her right to decide whether the baby lives or not. Now, God doesn't make distinctions on the value of life based on the location of the baby inside the womb or outside the womb. All life is precious in God's sight and should be protected. 
Now, what abortion advocates do is they diminish the baby's life to an inconvenience to be avoided or an illness to be eradicated. That's the current uh, state of it. Uh, my body, my choice is a common argument. Uh, Margaret Sanger, the first president of Planned Parenthood, uh, wrote, no woman can call herself free until she can consciously choose whether she will or will not be a mother. So my body, my choice. Another uh, pro-choice argument is uh, that allowing abortion promotes gender equality and women's rights. Uh, and let's just talk about that for a second, because women do want to be as free as the man when it comes to sexual relationships and casual sex. And, and men, uh, it's to our shame, to the shame of our gender, uh, that this is true, because men have historically and statistically have had casual sex with women and then not stuck around when the consequences of that casual sex uh, were pregnancy. So women argue that they should not have to be punished for carrying a child in the womb when the man is free to walk away. They want to have the same ability to have sex without the consequences. And what's behind all this, the root problem of all this, is sin, right? The, the problem behind all of this is sin. It's a failure to recognize that sex is God's gift to a married couple, man and woman, and not to be engaged in casually, and it's a failure to recognize the value of human life. So those are some of the arguments uh, for, uh, that the pro-choicers pro, uh, make. Uh, what abortion advocates don't always talk about or consider uh, is the adverse effects of abortion on the mother. Uh, several studies have shown that women who have had abortions uh, suffer from such mental health issues like uh, anxiety, depression, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and often even substance abuse. And sadly, uh, because sometimes the father has abandoned the mother, uh, women think they have no alternative and they believe that abortion will solve the problem, but really all it does is create a new set of problems that are going to last for their entire lives. Now, there are many reason, reasons why women choose abortions. Most of the time, uh, abortions are the result of unwanted pregnancies, uh, unwanted pregnancies. Women choose to abort their babies because their fa the father has disappeared and now they are faced with the prospect of having this baby, raising this baby by themselves, uh, which creates economic difficulties, uh, may cost them a job, may cost them a college scholarship. Uh, and so uh, our hearts should ache uh, for women facing pregnancies alone when the man has disappeared. So that's one reason. Another reason is that women choose to abort babies because of the pressure from dad. Dad says, well, you know, we got a problem. We got to take care of this. Or uh, her own parents might pressure her into having an abortion. You know, you're going to ruin your life. You, you can't have a baby at 16, 17, 18 years old. You're going to ruin your life. And so they face that kind of pressure. Other times, young women may not even want their parents to know that they're pregnant. And so they go and have an abortion before their parents even find out. Or a woman might have too many children already, or perhaps they're just not ready to have a child at this time. Or the baby may have some kind of medical condition uh, and they don't want to deal with a, a child that perhaps will be born with Down syndrome or something like that. Or it may be a legitimate choice between the mother's life and the baby's life. Or uh, the, the, the child may be the result of rape or incest. These things do happen. 
So I'm not saying that there's never a circumstance when a woman uh, can have an abortion. I mean, I can't imagine being in a position where uh, uh, the doctor told me that uh, we have a problem here on, on the birth table and either your wife is gonna die or your child is gonna die. You have to decide. I can't imagine that. And I can't imagine my daughter coming to me and telling me, you know, I was raped and I'm pregnant. Uh, those are incredibly difficult situations. They're also incredibly rare these days, and I think we ought to acknowledge that too. And I just want to uh, set aside those rare circumstances for the time being and, and just say that, that what I am saying, I'm not saying that a woman can never have an abortion, but what I am saying is that the way our society endorses casual sex and then uses abortions as a simple drive-through solution to an unwanted pregnancy is immoral, immoral unbiblical, and sinful. The fetus in the womb is a life created by God with the same right and potential that you and I have to, to grow and to live full, uh, gratifying lives. And so all human life is precious in God's sight. So uh, with all this in mind, uh, let's close by trying to think about some practical things uh, that you and I can do uh, to be a solution to the problem of abortion. And I put these uh, applications in acronym form. From the baby's perspective, uh, please, P-L-E-A-S-E, please consider me before having sex if you're not ready to be a mother or a father or before deciding to abort, please. The P is pray. We can pray for women who have unwanted pregnancies, who are considering abortion, that God will put on their hearts the value of the child in the womb. And we can pray that the man who is hopefully part of this decision-making process will own up to his part of it and accept responsibility for what he has done. And for men to stop using women for sex in a casual way and then walking away uh, and, and uh, avoiding the consequences of what they've done. We can pray that, that people will honor uh, God's intention for marriage within the marriage covenant uh, and that sex would be within the marriage covenant. We can pray that people uh, will understand that, that sex is not meant to be casual. The Bible says that the two become one flesh, one flesh. So men, when you have sex with a woman outside of marriage, you have become one flesh uh, with that woman. And women, when you have had sex with a man who is not your husband, you have become one flesh with that woman, uh, that man who is not your husband. So we need to pray that people will understand what marriage is for and why or when sex is for. We can pray that, that God will strengthen everyone in the decision-making process when they're faced with an unwanted pregnancy uh, to think not only for the mother and for the father, uh, but for the life of the child. And we can pray for women who have had abortions uh, that, that, or, or the men who have helped them or, or pressured them, that they would know the love and forgiveness of God's grace no matter what sin uh, they have committed whatever sin we have committed, God's grace is bigger still. So we can pray, that's the P. Secondly, we can love. We can live out the commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves by showing compassion uh, and kindness to women who have, had un who have unwanted pregnancies. And we can help women who are, are in the process of making the difficult decision or have made the difficult decision to keep the child even though she might have to raise this baby alone. You know, Christians... Uh, are often uh, criticized uh, and, and uh, name-called and ridiculed because it, we're said that we only care about babies until they're born. 
and after that, we don't care about babies anymore. That is a frequent uh, accusation that is hurled against us. And, and I just pray that that will never be said of us, that that would be an untrue claim. Uh, so uh, let's love with the love of De- Jesus, who loved sacrificially, who loved sacrificially and gave his life so that he might live. The E is for educate. God's way is purity. God's way is purity. God created sex to be for one man and one woman who are joined in marriage. And so as Christians, we ought to promote abstinence until marriage. Sex is a gift for God, and it is worth waiting for. Eliminating sex before marriage would have a profound effect on the number of abortions. In 2020, uh, the data says that 86% of abortions uh, happened, uh, were performed on unmarried women. Uh, with un, who had unintended pregnancies. That's a huge, huge number. If we could cut back on the amount of, of men and women having sex outside of marriage, the number of abortions would drop dramatically. We can also educate people about access to birth control. If they're not going to do it God's way, if they're going to have sex outside of marriage, well, birth control, uh, though not infallible, uh, when used properly, prevents a great majority of unwanted pregnancies. And we can also educate the pregnant mother and hopefully the father, too, who are considering their options. Uh, There are countless stories about moms who considered adoptions and then chose to keep the baby or give it up for adoption uh, after education and counseling, and they're so happy that they did. Uh, So we can educate. We can also advocate. We can call our senators and our representatives, and we can tell them that we support laws and policies that protect the rights of the unborn and protect pregnant women. I saw an article uh, Friday uh, from this group called Americans United for Life, and they're proposing that there ought to be legislation that allows for free childbirth and pregnancies. Uh, So that would be covered by insurance. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of hurdles that would have to be overcome for that to happen, but their argument is, look, uh, most of the abortions are free, so if uh, the cost of childbirth uh, and pregnancy is a factor in the decision-making process of the woman, well, let's just make childbirth free, and then that will not be something uh, that is going to be a problem uh, for the mom who is considering abortion. So we can call our senators, and we can ask them to support a bill like that or other pro-life measures that come before them, and we can speak out about abortion and uh, the, the wrongs of it whenever appropriate. The S is for support. Uh, We can give money to pregnancy resources, like Thrive. We're in the middle of this baby bottle campaign. There's a table outside of our door here where you can pick up a baby bottle. You can put a check uh, in that baby bottle that will go to Thrive, which offers counseling, medical care, practical assistance uh, to women and families facing uh, unwanted, unintended pregnancies. And you can make a donation online as well. Uh, And so those are ways that we can help with Thrive. We can volunteer at Thrive or some other pregnancy center or at adoption agencies. They're looking for volunteers as well. And we can support young women directly. Uh, most of us may know a young woman who has made the difficult decision who, to keep the baby, and we can support them financially, emotionally. It's not easy for them. And let us uh, care about them after the baby is born, not just before the baby is born. And the E is for evangelize. And the human condition is that people are lost in their sin and destined for hell. And the answer to the problem of abortion, indeed the answer to the problem of all sin, is Jesus Christ. People need to know that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead to purchase their souls from the penalty for sin that they owe to God. 
And the more people who know the love of Christ, uh, the more they will want to do things God's way. Uh, They will wait until they're married to have children, uh, which will greatly reduce the number of unintended pregnancies and therefore greatly reduce the number of abortions. Uh, If they become pregnant, they will consider God's view uh, on the sanctity of human life, and and they'll consider keeping the baby or putting the baby up for adoption. Uh, So the gospel is the answer to everything, including this problem. Uh, The gospel is always the answer. So please, P-L-E-A-S-E, consider the life of the baby. One last note. I did a lot of internet research, obviously, preparing this message to get all these statistics and everything that I've shown you. Uh, But another thing I came across uh, that you might find interesting is, uh, did you know that the mothers of Brooke Shields, Celine Dion, Andrea Bocelli, Tim Tebow, Steph Curry, Cher, uh, Lisa Marie Presley, Jack Nicholson, and Justin Bieber all nearly aborted their child? All of them nearly aborted their child, uh, changed their mind at the last minute. Now, what a loss that would have been to the world, right? Now, a baby doesn't have to grow up to be a celebrity for that baby to have value uh, in God's eyes, though. God loves every one of his creatures. uh, And whether we're celebrities in the world's eyes or not, we are all celebrities in God's eyes. And how great it is when the mother has the courage to keep the baby. God values every human life, and we should too. Let's pray. Lord God, this is such a hot-button issue in our society today, uh, and we see people on either side of this issue uh, so hostile towards each other, neither side wanting to give an inch because they're afraid that they'll lose uh, the war if they, if they concede even one battle. Uh, Lord, I pray that people would see this as a biblical issue and a moral issue and not a political issue. I pray that uh, people would would not feel like their rights are being taken away or that they're being uh, relegated back to the times uh, when women didn't even have the right to vote. Uh, I pray that that, uh, men and women alike will see this issue as as an issue where God has created life, God values life, God protects life, and only God has the right to take human life, Lord. God is sovereign. And God, you have the right to create life. And for whatever reason, you've allowed that pregnancy. And I pray that people will, will recognize that. And Lord, that, that they will keep their babies uh, if they have them. Lord, I also pray uh, that the gospel would go around the world because the gospel is the answer to all of, of our sin problems, Lord. We are so thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose for the dead, Lord, from the dead. And we just pray that the world would know it and that we would be agents of, of helping the world to know it. Uh, Lord, as the good news goes forth and people do things your way, uh, Lord, this problem will become less and less and hopefully one day eradicated. Lord, uh, we pray for the lives of these innocent babies in the womb. And Lord, we just uh, pray your grace on them and that uh, through the power of the gospel, Uh, These babies will be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.